and all, a portion of the proceeds will go to our Operation Christmas Child um, mission. And then um, we also have the men's prayer breakfast next Saturday um, at 7. Is that correct? Okay, at 7. And then um, the admin team meeting will be after that. Um, so let's see. The um, cantata practice is still going on at Sundays at 4.30, so please come and join that to make um, that complete and wonderful. And then next Saturday, um, October 17th, we are having the vendor yard craft sale um, in the fellowship and on the yard. So that will be from 8 to 2. So please come and join that. And um, the, the tables um, for rent will go to Operation Christmas Child as well. Um, so if you want to come and just peruse and see what goodies you can find, there's something for everyone. Um, let's see. Make sure. Um, and then our last Operation Christmas Child Sewing Craft Day will be on the 24th. So if you haven't had a chance to participate in that, please come on out. We are still in need of um, bar soap, crayons. We are trying to make 150 um, boxes. In order to make that happen, we need um, about another 90 boxes of crayons or matte pencils. So we're trying to do matte pencils for the older kids. Um, and we do have, if you're not familiar with that, there's three age categories. So two to four, five to nine, and then 10 to 14. So you can kind of pick the age of your child. So for the older kids, we are doing matte pencils and that. Um, but so either one of those items would be greatly appreciated. Bar soap again, washcloths, and toothbrushes because we're trying to do the hygiene packs. And if you look here, um, this is kind of a wet bag that we're doing for the older kids. So we could put um, the toothbrush, the bar soap, and that. And it's a nice um, bag that would be water resistant. And then this is kind of an um, idea of what a box packed. Um, and then it does actually pack down in the box so it can close and everything. But we have a nice variety of things. So we have school supplies in this little thing. We have a sewing kit, a necklace, um, a little dress, and some socks. With a, There's also a spiral notebook in there. So quite a few things can pack in the box. So um, just come on out. And if you just, you know, contribute um, one single item, you're actually filling many, many boxes with that multi-pack of the one item. So whatever you can offer and contribute will be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Um, so on that, our um, church has been selected as the um, drop-off site this year, and there's been lots of perks that BJ has been able to get involved with, and one of those is um, a donation of 36 hard plastic containers like this that are the right size and everything, and they're actually created by Operation Christmas Child. So we were donated 36 of those, and we're going to have a nice, friendly little competition um, contest with um, making theme boxes. So this one, you can see, is done with Woody from Toy Story, and there's characters and slippers and coloring books and still things. Um, and then we'll have uh, a little judging going on, and whoever gets the... Um, the most creative, there'll be different categories, will be awarded um, gift cards. So um, just stay tuned. We'll keep doing um, that. So you need to see BJ if you're interested in getting signed up for that. Um, and then if for whatever reason you don't or are not able to fill it, please just bring the box back because it is a valuable box that we can just fill with regular items, no theme necessary. The theme is just kind of an extra fun activity. Um, so let me make sure I'm getting all of that in there. The, oh, so there will be three prizes. First place is a $30 Chick-fil-A gift card. Second place, $15 Chick-fil-A gift card. And the third place is a $5 gift card. So um, 
we are we are fastly um, gathering supplies. It was really cool yesterday to be a um, part of seeing all the different things that we have that are going to be um, organized and be able to use to fill the shoe boxes. We have a great um, church family that has been providing many many things that will go a long long way over the world. So. Um, that being said, uh, thank you. Have a blessed day. I've had a lot of people tell me I'm lucky, but I tell them I'm chosen. My name is Kalabo Horizlan. I was born in Lesotho, Southern Africa, and was raised in the villages. When I was about five years old, I lost my father, and not long after my father's death, my mother left me at my grandmother's house, and I never saw her for years. So my grandmother became a mother. She told me a lot of things, including how to read and write, but most importantly, she told me about God. Loneliness in my life began when I lost my grandma, the woman who raised me. I had to say goodbye to my love, to my grandmother. Then a year after my grandma's passing, my mother also passed away. I was faced with the bad reality of being an orphan, which is something that I dreaded the most. I had a home and a house in the villages, but I had no parents. I was alone. My uncle called me into his home in the city. It was there in the city that I... I met a friend, actually, who invited me to a church. There was a truck filled with his shoeboxes. So I received the shoebox myself. And I remember that shoebox had one of the holes in my heart, and that was the hope of having something that belongs to me. I had lost everything, so the gift of the box gave me that hope this belongs to me. Lifted my heart. I realized God gave me what I was always in need of. I made a choice to personally seek Him. Today, I have a family and I'm no longer an orphan. I know I'm chosen. Someone took their time to work hard and to pack my shoebox, and God used them to give me hope and to feel what my heart was in need of. So today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So I'm asking you to go prepare a gift today. Take a shoebox. Give someone hope and love somebody today. And spread the gospel.
stop right now, that would be a good sermon, amen? <laughs> Some of y'all like stop right now. <laughs> you have your Bibles with you. Open to Ephesians chapter 1. He said, good morning. And blessed be the name of the Lord. And let me tell you right now, our God is good, amen? And you know what? You might be hurting this morning. You might be sitting there saying, nobody understands. Nobody cares, and nobody can be where I am. Let me tell you something. You've got a high priest in heaven who knows what you're going through. Amen? You're not alone, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. So that's what we do here at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. We can show Jesus, hey, you're in God. Amen? And when we do that, good things happen. So, you're with me in the book of Genesis. We're going to take a look at one of my favorite guys. His name is Joseph. Joseph is, without a doubt, the most colorful part of the song. I know he wore a colorful coat and everything, but he's one of the most colorful guys you will ever meet. In fact, he is a shadow or a type of Christ. You can learn more about, about him and about Jesus through him. We're not going to spend a lot of time with that this morning. We're going to look at Joseph a little bit. We're going to begin in a sermon series this morning. We'll do it over the next couple of Sundays, next three Sundays, called Superheroes for Jesus. And let me tell you, there's nothing greater than being a superhero. When you grew up, did you think about superheroes? I did. Who read Superman? Now, let me see your hands. Who read Superman? What about Spider-Man? What about Aquaman? What about Batman? And the other men and women that are out there. I can't remember them all. But we all wanted to be a superhero. And let me tell you, when it comes to being super in your faith, it requires you to let go of the hero part. All right. Now this morning we'll begin a sermon series focused on living for Jesus in an anti-Jesus world. We'll look at four examples of Christ-centered living over the next three Sundays. This morning, of course, we will examine Joseph. But it's important that we get the proper perspective. A lot of times we lose that perspective and we lose what we're really looking at. So to get your mind going this morning, I have a little uh, picture I want to show you, a little word picture. If you are in a car, now imagine this, you're driving a car, you're going 60 miles per hour, and you're traveling about 18 feet every time you blink. Think about that. 60 mile an hour car, every time you blink, travels about 18 feet. The average person now blinks 15 times per minute. Have you ever met somebody who's always blinking? You say, that person is not average. <laughs> you blink about 15 times per minute. At that pace now, to get the proper perspective, every 20 minutes, the average person drives a mile with their eyes closed. Isn't that something? Sometimes we lose perspective. You know why? Because our eyes are closed, right? <laughs> we, we lose perspective. And when we're looking at the Old Testament, a lot of times we lose perspective and we forget that we need to learn how to live a victorious life in Jesus Christ, even when looking at the Old Testament. So, with those things in mind, and thinking about driving one mile with your eyes closed, the average person actually travels about 8.525 feet during one blink. You think about that right there. Just statistics there for you. So, look at me in Genesis chapter 39, and let's open up with a word of prayer, shall we? Father God, we come to you now in Jesus' name, and as we look at your word, would you speak to us and have your way with us, Lord? Don't tell me anybody here this morning to need to come to know your personal Lord and Savior. Would you let today be the day? 
give you the praise, the honor, and the glory we can ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You don't have to read out with me, but I do want to read these with you. Look at this, Genesis 39. We'll read the first uh, six verses a little quickly in here. Bible says in verse 1, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So, Joseph found favor in his sight, and verse 4 now, and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from that time that he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Well, I love that little last sentence right there. Got to throw that in there just to make sure we understand. Not only is Joseph smart, Joseph's a good-looking dude, amen? I mean, that's literally what the Bible's saying there. Not only is he good-looking, he's attractive. Not only is he attractive, he's got a mind. Some of you ladies out there saying, I've been praying for a guy like that. I want a Joseph in my life. And let me tell you something, you do want a Joseph in your life. You want somebody who loves God with all their heart. You want somebody who's going to love their family with all their heart. You're going to want somebody who puts the principles of Jesus Christ in his life and therefore in his family's life. Somebody say amen this morning. That's what you're wanting in your heart, in your life today. And that's what we're missing in America. The principles of Jesus Christ. Now, Joseph was a good-looking guy. Watch the this morning. Am I preaching to myself? Joseph was a good-looking guy. Now, let's just a little background here with you. Joseph has a couple of dreams, as you know. He's his daddy's favorite. He's Israel's favorite. He's Jacob's favorite, if you will. He gives him a coat of many colors. And we could stick with that this morning, a coat of many colors. But in the Hebrew, it's a beautiful coat. It doesn't necessarily have to be a coat of many colors. Do I think that's a wrong translation? No, I don't. I think that either one can go. The idea is that it's a beautiful coat. And that's what you need to see there. It's beautiful. And he wears it, and he wears it proudly, not because he got an ego, but because his daddy gave it to him. His daddy gave it to him because he loves him, and he wears it like that. And so his brothers begin to be a little bit jealous. Getting a little jealous. And so, one day, Joseph is sent to Shechem to check on his brothers. And you all know the story of the story. And on his way to Shechem, he finds out his brothers aren't really at Shechem. He's actually somewhere else. And he goes down there, and they see him coming, and they put together a plan and say, Let's kill Joseph. And we'll tell Dad that some wild beast has ripped him up. Well, Reuben, Rezidim, has decided, man, they've got to save this guy. I don't want him to die, so we'll, we'll throw him in a pit. And that's what they do. They put him in a pit. The idea of a pit here is kind of a dried up well. He's down at the bottom, and he's crying. Can you imagine what that would be like? Out. You ever been 
got my man, I got a beautiful coat. My daddy gave it to me. I'm not wearing it to be proud or to boast over you. I'm wearing it because Father God gave it to me. And I've been walking in the church, and my brothers would have thrown me in a pit. Yeah, amen. You ever been there before? You imagine those pride? You cry out, Reuben, Judah, Levi, Simeon, Nathalie, Dad, somebody get me out of here.
possesses everything that he has. To the point where products are no longer worth uh, what he has. Let's put that in the modern day perspective, okay? I came out of a prison background. Now you already said, Did y'all see in prison? Yeah, I'll ask the investigator, amen. <laughs> Alright? <laughs> However, never once did I let one of my trustees take over everything I was doing. I never let them know what I was investigating or what I held on to. And I learned quickly that you can't trust anybody, not even your fellow officers. Potiphar, by the way, began to trust Joseph to the point that he didn't even know what he had. He didn't know what money he had in the bank account. He didn't know what his other servants were doing or what his slaves were doing. He didn't know what was going on in the household. The Bible says all he knew was what was in the night. Jesus. 
confused. He said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has in my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And that's our number one lesson this morning, is we need to get the attitude. We need to get the mindset. We need to get the idea that when we sin, it's great wickedness against God. Somebody say amen this morning. When we give in to sin, we need to start understanding that it's a great wickedness. And Joseph was no exception. His first battle with the flesh, he had it every day, the Bible says. So how did Joseph fight that kind of temptation? So I'm going to give you a few points this morning. Number one. How did Joseph fight? Well, he didn't get alone with sin. Remember when he got with Potiphar's wife? The Bible says she's actually going to grab a hold of his garment and he's going to run away from her. That brings our number one point this morning to be a secret hero for Jesus. Is you have got to run away from sin. You've got to run just as fast as your little legs will carry you. Well, you probably don't have little legs, but I do, amen? So you've got to run away from sin just as fast as you can. Be a Joseph and don't be alone with sin. Let me be honest with you. You can't handle it. You can't take care of it. And you cannot deny it. So what you need to do is run away from it. You need to get the legs of Joseph upon you and run away from sin. As we look in Genesis 39, verse 12, we see that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Picture that for just a minute. She's tempting him with sin. He said, I'm not sticking around to see if I'm tough enough or not. I'm getting out of Dodge City. And he did. Just as fast as his little legs would carry him. So when sin comes your way, whatever it may be, and I'm not here to preach to you personally this morning, but what if your sin is alcohol? Do you need to be alone with alcohol in the room? No. Run away from it. If your sin is drugs, do you need to be alone with the drugs? No. Run away from it. If your sin pornography, do you need to be alone in a closet somewhere? No. Run away from sin. Just as fast as your legs will carry you. And Joseph was no exception. He ran away from it. You know, she grabbed his garment. We wonder what that garment was. Out of coat, out of robe. We don't know. All I can think of it in my mind's eye is Joseph runs away and she grabs his outer coat and he goes running through and he gets in his underwear. That's how I see that right there. He ran away from sin. He left his garment in her hand. And by the way, could you imagine what people thought of when Joseph came sneaking out of the house? Well, it was as fast as he could go. Could you imagine what happened there? Could you imagine all of Egypt looking at... No, we shouldn't have been time. Imagine how many Egyptians were like, man, I just lost my appetite. How many of them started laughing at Joseph? How many of you know that when you run away from sin, when you say no to sin, the world is going to laugh at you? Somebody say amen. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to treat you like Joseph and make fun of you and say you're crazy. And by the way, the world would say to Joseph, you're crazy. Joseph took off with 
somewhere in the low rent district. No, 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 no. This is Skyline Estate. We're talking pros, y'all. This is way up high in Turkey Creek, man. This is way out in the valley. This is somewhere expensive. Joseph took off running, leaving his garment in her hand. And could you imagine everybody mowing grass, everybody playing golf, everybody out for the job? Saw Joseph just bumped it through the street. They're like, there goes that crazy Jew again. Running away from sin. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Joseph, his brother, should have been a kid. Joseph, his brother, all of them slaves. Joseph, who now thinks dad doesn't want to talk to me. Dad doesn't want to speak to me. Nobody cares about me. Did you hear that? Joseph, his brother. Joseph is now in prison, as you know, later on. Potiphar's wife is going to wait for him to come home. And she's going to say, look what this Hebrew did. He mocked me. He tried to rape me. We're going to put Joseph in prison. Most people say, that needs to be our 50 minutes. We need to expose that. Well, that's what happened to Joseph. He's also accused and examined in prison. Let's look at Joseph's case. He's falsely accused of attempted rape for three years. Something about dreams. And by the way, 
all the tithes and offerings that are brought into Egypt now coming into Pharaoh's barn. That's the sign of the healing in our condition. And of course, his brothers show up. Ten of the eleven show up. So look at me in Genesis 42, let's read verse 69 quickly now. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them. He spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, Where do you come from? Let me put that upon it for a good translation for you. Where are you coming from? And they said, From the land of Canaan, the Bahamas. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. They said, Look down in your mind's eye and saw that little boy in the ship. Hey, look down. Saw that kid with tears in his eyes saying, Please get me out. Could you imagine what it was like when the Amalekites dug him out of there and tied him up and put him on a donkey or a camel and rode off of him into Egypt as he wailed? Please! That's what they wanted. Now they see a man dressed like an Egyptian, sleeping Egyptian, with a soul of Egypt. The Bible says they didn't recognize him. At that time, and Joseph remembered the dream which he had dreamed about them and said to them, You are spies! You've come to see the nakedness of the land. At that time, Joseph had a son named Joseph. Why do you ask questions? I know I'm here with a bunch of Christians. We're already thinking about scriptures and verses. You know, this tree behind me, Satan, thou art going to preach down to me. We got all these scriptures coming up. Distance. That's what we do now. We tell the devil, social distance. Get on away from me, pal. 
look at Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph responds to his brothers and says, He meant evil to punish me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Do you mean to sit and you think, man, nobody cares, nobody loves you, people are here, not screaming, not crying, not screaming for help, and nobody is listening.